Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Mike sitting alongside of Johnny, as always. No, we are not in the same room. We're actually on a different side of the country here. He's down in Texas. I'm up in Pennsylvania. Today's topic is convincing yourself and others that reselling is an actual business. I think we all kind of deal with this in one way, shape, or form. For me, it wasn't so much convincing myself. It's like trying to convince other people. And I'm to the point now, right? Like I've been doing this for years and years that I really don't care, right? If Johnny's my brother and I tell my resell full time, he's like, whatever, dude, you don't do nothing with your day. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But when when I first was like making real money with reselling and trying to explain to like family and friends what like what I do, how I make money, for some reason, like you tell people you resell and it's just like, you're basically an unemployed laughing stock. So for me, it's more on the friendly family side versus myself, because you see the proof when you do it yourself. Although I know a lot of people struggle to, you know, come to the conclusion in their mind that, hey, this is an actual business. So for you, was it convincing yourself or are you still like me trying to convince, you know, family and friends that you actually resell and it's a real business? Uh, I no longer have to convince them didn't believe me when I was doing this part-time slash full-time working out of the house. Didn't believe me when I had eight storage units. When I got my warehouse, then people started to believe me. And especially when I got my shop, well, which is part of the warehouse now. So you, I mean, I guess that is like a level up, right? Because you have like a tangible, like an actual they location. Can see it. They can come to it. Yeah. It's not like 10 bins sitting in your room, right? Or like, you know. Yeah. And I guess that is true, right? Because even if you have your own house, your own apartment, people really can't see what you do. You just kind of tell people about it. And sure, when they come over, they, you know, maybe they see your metal shelving of bins and they're just like, yeah, whatever. That's just, you know, that's just junk. Maybe they think you collect that's this stuff. That's full of junk over there. You're like a yard sale. Mm -hmm. I guess you could take everybody to like an expensive, fancy dinner. And then when the bill comes out, you say, hey, I'm going to pay with this with my reselling money. And then all of a sudden, maybe they're like, hey, this guy's legit. He's buying me dinner with this resell money. Yeah, I mean, even if you pull up like your your uh, sales on Amazon or eBay, like, look, this is how much money I made. It's still kind of, eh, I don't believe you. Yeah, it is. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I think if reselling falls into like a gray area, right? It's like you really, especially with Amazon. Like, I don't have nothing to show people, right? Like, what do you, what do you, you sell? Like, tornado graph you could show them that nobody <laughs> understands. <laughs> it's like, what do you sell? Like, Deb has, like, a business and a brand, and she's got big machines that sit around here and stitch stuff out, and she has, like, a physical product that she's packing every day. So I guess that makes it a little bit more, like, believable, I guess, because there's actually a physicality to it, especially with Amazon. And I think it goes both ways, though, because if you're an, an eBay seller – and maybe you are selling out of a room or your apartment and somebody walks in and it's just a disaster zone. Like, I think that kind of get that'll give off the same vibe as like, what are you doing? Why is this place such a mess? Right. And I have, I have a friend 
um, she has five employees. They all work out of her home. She deals in a lot of small objects. Um, and I think she even has trouble explaining. And she makes well over half a million a year. And it's like she's she's very legitimate, but she's still it's not a like a warehouse you would have to go to or a store you would have to go to to know that she was an actual real business making over half a million dollars a year. It's I, like come I've, on. Uh, I've given up on trying to like fully explain what I do. Like if we go down and we see family in Philly and like uh like uh some random person that's a friend of the family comes in and they're like, Hey Mike, what are you doing with your life? Like I don't give the whole like 50 page book report anymore. I'm just like, yeah, I sell on Amazon. Like I'm done trying to like explain, explain the same thing over and over because you know, the end result's going to be the same, right? You might as well just say you sell on Amazon because there's no point in be like, well, I go to thrift stores, I buy undervalued items and I sell them on the marketplace called Amazon and I make more money due to arbitrage. But that's like, it's just in one ear out the other. But I do think it you is. You would have more success telling them you were a magician. Yeah, I think I'm just going to start telling people, like, I'm going to start telling everybody a different thing, right? Like, if it's a family or a friend, I'm like, what do you do? Uh, I had to pick up a job at McDonald's. And the next time I come down next year, I'm like, yeah, I'm working at, uh, you know, UPS. Like, I'm just going to make up whatever, whatever's on my mind that day. Like, that's the person I'm going to be because it, it really doesn't matter. Anyway, it's all kind of like nonsensical small talk with random people. But like your actual like immediate family, I do think a lot of people struggle with like, I don't know, maybe you need that positive reinforcement. And I get it. Like, you want to be, like, taken seriously by somebody, especially if this is something you started. A lot of people, you know, maybe you're still living at home. And you're like, hey, this is a business. I'm making actual money. So you want people to take you seriously. And I understand the struggles of being like, yeah, I go to thrift stores and I buy junk and I sell it for more money online. Like, that's really, it doesn't sound attractive to your average person, or especially, like, my parents, for example. They work in these jobs for years and years, right? There's really, it's hard to have a job where you stay at this one single employer your whole career anymore. It really doesn't exist. And I think uh, a lot of the the older generations think to themselves, well, is it really a job? Like you're really, you know, what are you really doing? Like it's not, they don't consider it a real job, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And it um, doesn't help matters that now I sell some items on Bonanza and saying the word Bonanza to people, it's not fun. Just saying you sell them Bonanza is embarrassing, right? You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, it is like with the family convincing, you also have to convince yourself. And I do think this plays a big part into it because when you first start, it's super exciting. And you're like, whoa, I just bought this KitchenAid mixer for $5 and I sold it on eBay for $100. And when you start out, it's all kind of fun money. That's what I like to call it. Like people that just start out, they flip something, they make 80 bucks, they go buy themselves a case of beer, go to the casino, blow it on the slots. It's fun money, right? And that and that's to be expected because you're just trying this out. You know, you turn five bucks into 80 bucks, you're riding high and you have to get to a point here. And I think a lot of people fail to, fail to get to this point is, okay, I have, you know, I've proven the concept, but at what extent? Because you're proven of the concept is going to be different than mine. So it's different with everybody. But for me personally, I've proved the concept by making more money reselling than I was at my job while still working both. It wasn't like I was doing all reselling or all working. I said, if I can build this up on the side to make more than my job, that's proof of concept for me. And that was kind of the whole breaking point of me walking out of CVS one day is because I said, 
I don't need it. I'm making more money doing this on the side. So my proof of concept was basically monetary. There was no processes, right? I didn't have any kind of plan in place or I didn't need to have a storage unit. I didn't need to have X amount of items listed on eBay or Amazon. It was how much money am I going to make so I can leave this job behind? And once that day came, I one day I walked into CVS, I was fed up, left in the middle of my shift. Yeah. I mean, I know some uh, resellers that do this just for their va family vacation money. They got like two or three kids. But the kind of vacations they take, they're like three or $4,000 for do those vacation. They do it like four times a year. So let's just be, let's go on the high end. Let's say they're doing 4K vacations four times a year. That's $16,000. That's a lot of money, but they have a really good quality of life now. They go on these fun vacation things for like a week stint um, and family of four. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I consider a real part-timer. It's part-time money to do those extra curricular activities. Or let's say golfing is expensive. I know a gentleman who supports his golfing habit with eBay. He likes to go golf. He likes the country club lifestyle. His regular job doesn't provide him enough to live and do that. But because of eBay allows him to live this lifestyle, he wants to live. He's at where he likes to be. He doesn't plan to be gigantic. He just wants to support what he likes to do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I need to know, at what point in your transition from your job to reselling, were you like, did you did it click in your mind like, okay, reselling is it for me i have enough proven and i'm just going to go with it i know i can be successful if i just focus on it because like i said for me it was once i was making the same amount of money like when i quit cvs dude there wasn't a worry in the world that i was not going to make enough money to continue paying the bills like it wasn't one of these things where i'm on the fence right i'm wishy-washy like is there a chance this is going to work like i built it up part-time on the side for a few years just selling everything on ebay so I knew there was opportunity there, which is how can I refine it, spend more time in the business to make more money. So for me, when I left CVS, dude, there was not a worry in the world when it came to finances. And that was kind of like, I said, all right, this is me. This is the new me now. I'm a reseller full time. So what was that for you like in your transition from your job to reselling to where you're like, hey, I'm a reseller now. I know I can do this because I've done X, Y, Z. And what were some of those things that kind of led you up to making that decision? My answer is going to be a lot different than most people. I, I worked, I owned two businesses at that time. I was making really good money by any stretch of the means. I didn't need to go off and do eBay. I liked eBay. I was doing it part-time. And then I was like, okay, can I transition out of what I do now? Not that I would make the same, but could I build it up to making the same and beyond? Because I was capped out what I was doing. There, there was no way for me to make even more money. None. Uh, unless those businesses took gigantic leaps, which they weren't going to do. Um, so for me, I took a pay cut to go do eBay. But for the, the point you want me to answer of when was the deciding factor, when I had trackable data over three months period where I was growing each month as far as the money coming in and with the minimum, with the same amount of hours, but I was making more money month over month over month. Uh, with the same amount of hours invested. And it came to the question of, if I put all of my efforts into that, could it grow? And I did some fancy Excel math millionaire kind of stuff. And the answer was yes. And then I I halved the number. And then I 75%ed the number down. Could I live off that? And the answer was yes. 
Um, but I had a year of savings and a lot of investments. Um, so I had a year to prove that I could really do it or I need to get back to beg for my positions back or start my other businesses back. So I took the year and I did it. I cut all my expenses down. My lifestyle was then eBay and only eBay. A little bit of Amazon. That's where I met you. Um, and I made about a little over a third of what I was making with my other two businesses. So again, I wasn't making as much, but my lifestyle had changed. I didn't need as much technically. And again, I cut my expenses. Everything was really taken care of. And for this year or for last year, um, I was able to just do it. And I was fine. And this year, I'm able to do it and just fine. I'm seeing the growth pattern, especially jumping back in with Amazon uh, at a more exponential rate. So I think by the end of this year, I will be back on par. So it took me two years to make what I was making running two different businesses, um, partner in one and owner of a secondary business. Um, I've always been into business. Now, I like reselling a lot more than I do those other prestigious kind of things I was in. I, I, I had my own marketing firm and I was head of marketing in another uh, entity um, with partnerships and all that, uh, or partners rather. And a lot of fun, a lot of prestige. The money was right, uh, it, but it comes with a whole lot more stress. You have to answer to people, whether whether you're running your own marketing firm, you're still answering to clients. They give you a call at 3 a.m. in the morning because they're crying because the numbers aren't right. You got to console them, and by the morning, the numbers are fine. They just need to wait a minute. I didn't like having to play part-time therapist. And then dealing with my partnerships, nobody ever agrees. And you have to sit in hour-long meetings day after day arguing. I don't like to argue necessarily, especially when I know I'm right, which is most of the time. Um, so I gave up a lot of stress, took a pay cut on my way back to making – uh, what I was making. So it's been a transition period. I'm still almost there, getting getting closer. I do think when you think about it, monetary is just to cover your butt, right? You said you had a year of savings. I was in the same way, right? <clears throat> I had savings. This wasn't like, uh, hopefully the parachute, you know, opens when I pull the cord. I had three parachutes on. So guess what? The first one don't work. The second one don't work. I got a third one. But there is some value to... I guess betting on yourself, like, I guess I'm going to go off to crazy end here, right? Because now I'm we were talking all like, okay, this is how you properly should do it. But listen, people don't really like to follow the rules. People like to break the rules. And I'm all for it in certain cases. A lot of people, when they are basically thrown into the deep end of the pool, it's sink or swim, they're going to swim. Now, this is not everybody, but I do think there is some validation to betting on yourself. And even if you just start to get a little bit of traction, seeing what it can be and being like, okay, I'm going to take this leap of faith. I'm going to do this. Now, I'm not saying do this dead broke, right? You need some kind of money because you got to buy inventory. At the end of the day, they the started reselling. Well, not only business. that, you got to eat. How are you yeah. going to eat? <laughs> Your expenses have to change if you're going to be the crazy person that jumps into the deep end that doesn't know how to swim. But there's a lot of success stories out there where people said, you know what? I watched a few YouTube videos, uh, seen, you know, this or that. I'm going to give this a shot and they'll just quit their job and say, I got a thousand bucks to my name. Let's see what we can do. And those people either 
accelerate their growth super fast or they just realize, hey, I got to go back and get a job. And I think that's an added benefit to the world we live in today, because if me or you decide we don't want to resell anymore, we can go walk to any store and get a job like on the spot. Right. Like we live in times where everywhere is hiring. The wages for the most part are pretty decent. Right. You know, like me, you go get a job at FedEx or UPS will probably make 25 bucks an hour, 30 bucks an hour. Um, like that's a decent, you know, livable wage, depending on what your expenses are. Yeah, it's it's harder work than reselling, but there's always that net to catch you if you fall. And I think now more than ever, people can take the risk and bet on themselves if it's something they're passionate about. Like you said, you you enjoy reselling, right? You got the passion. I'm the same way. Uh, for me, like the passion of being able to sell a book for you know 100 bucks that I got for a dollar, like that's exciting. It's like treasure hunting, and unfortunately. I don't live by the beach, so I can't buy a, a metal detector and go metal detect like I want to. So instead, I have a resale business. It's kind of the same thing in a different form. But I do think people, you know, bet on yourselves. Honestly, that's the best thing I can say, especially if you're not happy. Because for me, I hated working at CVS, man. It's like as much as I say it, it doesn't do it justice. And I was telling you before the call today, like we got five inches of snow. I used to have to get up an hour early, shovel out the car, drive an hour to work in the snow just for nobody to be there because CVS wanted the doors to be open. Now I can say, okay, it's snowing outside, Johnny. I list some stuff on Amazon. I can chill for the day. And uh, even you guys probably hear it in my voice. I've been sick for the past two weeks, like having the benefit of being able to not go into work when you're sick and anybody out there that's like, oh, you got sick days at CVS. They don't care. If you're a store manager, you're expected to be there. It doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you that. I worked at CVS for 10 years. There ain't no sick days as a manager. If somebody else is sick, you're showing up even if it's your day off. So for me, it was a quality of life change that I really can't put like a monetary value on. As crazy as that sounds, like I enjoy being home, spending time with Deb, spending time with the cats. Like I don't think you can I don't think you can put a value on that type of stuff. Yeah, for me it's a little bit different. I mean, I didn't dislike what I was doing, and there's certain aspects that were annoying. Like I said, it came with a lot of prestige. I got to meet a lot of people. I got to travel. Um, got to put all fancy mills on the company card, which is always fun. Um, I just I wasn't really satisfied in reselling. I feel satisfied. I don't really feel. I didn't feel satisfied in those other things. I don't know. What the difference is, I mean, I, I was an owner in those businesses. Why is this any different? I think it's because everything's in my full control versus those where it really wasn't between clients and partners. Um, and here, there's really none of that, except, I mean, their sources, I guess, can be considered clients, right? But I, I, I don't have to play therapist to those people. And if I do, I'm walking away, and that's a bad deal. <laughs> you're uh, you're my therapist before these podcast calls every week. I'm like, oh, my therapist. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the podcast. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I get oh, confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it does come to convincing yourself and others, I want to take it to the aspect of we walk into a library or a thrift store, and we have a conversation with the manager to see if they have more in the back room. I do think this is where you need like your elevator pitch, they call it or whatever. And for me, I'll kind of break it down. Uh, it's as simple as I can, right? So somebody say, hey, you sell, uh, why are you buying all these books? You do a lot of reading? Nah, you know, uh, I'm a full, I have a full-time online shop that supports me and my family. Uh, 
Uh, and that's kind of how I started off with. I don't go straight into like, oh, I resell on eBay or I resell on Amazon. I think that's like, I don't know. For me, it's like being around business. Like I try to try to dress things up as, as best I can, right? Like, because I feel like if I say, hey, I have an online store where I sell items versus, hey, I have an eBay store. Like I honestly think the online store where I sell items sounds a little bit more classy than just the eBay store. I well nowadays I just tell people I run a bookstore. Yeah, well, dude, that's a cheat code. We all don't have, you know, a bookstore to say. Maybe I'll just say I have a bookstore. I mean, in technically, Texas. you do. Your Amazon store is your bookstore. I'm going to say I have a brick and mortar in Texas, and I'll just give them your phone number. If they don't believe me, here, call, call, call my manager. It'll just be you. You just got to play along. But I, I think that is where you have to kind of dress yourself up, and that's how you build relationships in reselling. And there's no value to some of these relationships that I've built over the years. And it's the same with you. But you have to basically promote yourself in a way that doesn't sound like, you know, you're selling stuff that's got bed bugs and fleas, right? I'm like, hey, I have an online business. I do this full time. Uh, I support my wife, my kids, my cats, right? Well, most people that have lots of media usually have cats, right? So I'm, I'm basically in the door already. Yeah, I got a bunch of cats. They run around driving me crazy. And all of a sudden they like, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is the business person, right? He does this full time for a living to support his family versus just being like, yeah, I scan this stuff and I sell it online. I make a whole bunch of money. Like, what does your pitch kind of look like? Do you have like certain things you'd like to say if you, you know, if you're maybe you're trying to get into a back room or you're just trying to build a relationship with somebody? Um, Yeah, I mean, after I've been to an establishment, let's just say it's like a mom and pop store. I made a couple buys uh, larger than your normal amount. Either they'll ask me or I'll initiate and we'll we'll say this is the initiation here. Like, well, I, I'm I run my own business online. I deal a lot of e-commerce uh between reselling channels. Some little stores you may have heard of of Amazon and eBay. We're looking to scale up a little bit. Do you have any more inventory in your back room that I could take a look at? And I'll buy it all. And I'll buy what you got in the front right now, if you'll allow me access to everything in the store. And they'll take you a lot more seriously once you do it that way. I also like, uh, I always tell people to do this, like, hey, I stopped the media from winding up in landfills, which you are doing, right? You're not, because most cases, especially I've been to places, uh, wholesale places that do like wholesale media, libraries, uh, mom and pop shops. A lot of these books just go right to the dumpster. And that's just the truth of it. That, that's not like me making something up like, hey, you're stopping it from going in a trash bag. No, I've had conversations where if I don't buy this stuff, they got to carry it out to the dumpster in the back and throw all 10,000 pounds of books, CDs, DVDs into the dumpster. So I also like to dress it up like that. Like, hey, especially if, like, hey, if I show up at Johnny's house and I'm buying his collection because he's moving, Johnny wants his stuff to wind up in somebody else's hands. And I, I like to kind of, if I'm going and doing a bulk buy, and I've had this before, like, hey, what are you doing with this stuff? I'm going to make sure this winds up in somebody else's hands who's going to appreciate it. Maybe Johnny has this huge sci-fi Star Trek collection, right? Hey, I'm going to make sure another Star Trek fan winds up, you know, getting these books and reading them. That's like an added benefit of you just being like, I'm just going to sell these online and make money, right? And I know it's dumb to say that, but I know you people don't think the next level of a conversation they have. They just think, hey... I'm just going to sell these and make money. No, you got to take it a little bit deeper than that. Because if I just tell the, the guy that has a huge collection of Star Trek, I'm just going to sell these online and make it killing off your collection. 
that's like you're just gonna rub people the dude it, you, we laugh but i guarantee you this happens all the time like you're just like i'm gonna make a, a crap load of money off your collection i appreciate it sucker oh man i mean no i mean I, I do tell people i sell their stuff um and i explain that it's a whole lot of work i do this for x amount of hours a day They're like really that long like yeah it's a lot of work like i said um, another way I, I kind of do it sometimes, if I lived in more of a uh, a uh, eco-friendly place like where you live or if I lived over on the West Coast, I, I would go the save the book kind of route. That does not apply in Texas. Texans don't care. Uh, they really don't. Um, they, they, I see them litter outside my shop all the time. Anyway, uh, I, I would kind of address it up of – we we much like an orphanage, we try to rehome the books to the proper people they need to go to. It's not gonna be me. I'm just the facilitator. I run the orf the book orphanage more or less. And we try to get them in the right place. And I have the benefit of being able to offer your book to the world, not just this town, but to the world. Um and that kind of like oh, wow, that's in my answer. That's a lot better than saying I sell books online. That is that doesn't have any flair or class to it. It's funny because if you try to dress up what you do to like a, a family or friend, it doesn't work. But if you're out and you're trying to build a relationship with somebody, that's when you got to be a little bit dramatic with it, right? And dress up your words, you know, e-commerce, right? You know, like all of a sudden you're Googling words you never used before for like your, <laughs> your 10 second pitch. Because honestly, uh, one of my backroom access locations, it was literally a 10 second conversation when I was checking out at the register and it happened to be the the lady that owned the place and boom, right there. I had 10 seconds to explain exactly what I did. And if I wouldn't have went into any detail, you could argue that that back room doesn't exist for me anymore. You're probably 100% correct, but you got to be upfront about it and just be professional about it, I guess. And even though it's really not professional. Yeah. I feed my cats from the stuff I sell. That's like, it's a personal touch. I think you got to be a little bit personal with somebody when you're having a conversation and you're trying to build a relationship. It can't just be like, yeah, I sell online. Do you have any other stuff for me to sell online? I think they're like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, you got a lot of books I see, uh, a lot of good books, you know, and kind of dress it up. I don't, I think a lot of people just leave a lot on the table. Now, I've done this a couple of times. Um, I no longer have to do this because I don't really have to leave the shop nowadays. But I asked them, I asked them questions like, how much time do you guys spend restocking the bookshelf? Really? How would you like not to do that anymore? And pay to have that done to your employees. Tell me more, Johnny. Well, how about I give you some tubs and just load the tubs and I'll come pick them up on a weekly basis. That sounds fantastic, but that'll eat away my space. Let's go take a look at your back room. And now we're going in the back. I bet you I can find an area and then I can see what they actually got in the back. I don't even have to ask to see the back. I'm I'm solving another problem for them by, but they don't realize I'm solving two problems. I get to see what's in the back on a regular basis without any without any fancy prep work by them of making it look better than it is because we're just going in the back to see if they got some space for me to put this tub I got in my hand. You provide value. So yeah. no relationship is going to work one way, right? Like they're not just going to let you come in, pick what you want, send you on your way. You come back whenever you want. There has to be some kind of value to it. And whether that's providing, you know, clearing out space for them or paying them for items that are sitting in the back room that they can't get listed, paying them a fair price for their items. Uh, I'll straight up tell you, if I'm in one of my back rooms and 
I scan something and it's a hundred dollar book, I'm not going to give them 50 cents for it, right? I'm not going to give them a dollar for it. I think there's a lot that goes into shooting straight and being honest with things. And it's so easy to just take advantage of certain situations because I've been there and I could, you know, just think to myself, Hey, well, this stuff's sitting in the back. They don't know what it's worth. Um, and maybe that's wrong with me. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I should be willing to just be like, Hey, I'm going to pay a dollar piece for items. But I do think there is some value to providing value and, you know, giving people kind of somewhat, you know, if it's a hundred dollar item, I'm not going to give them 80 bucks for it, but I'm going to give them more than a dollar. Right. I, I think there's a lot that goes into shooting straight and I don't know, just being fair. Now, this is probably the best story. Smartest, smartest mom and pop lady I ever met. She's a short lady about my height. I walk into her place. I bought in from her a few times. Uh, I asked the clerk, can you go get BJ? That was her name. And I'm, I'm going to make my play. I'm going to buy it all. going to make my play. And um, I, I say, okay, BJ, I want to buy all of your books. You know what she says? No. I'm like, this blew my mind. What do you mean no? I'm offering you money for everything. And she's like, look, I understand what you do. We're not into your business, but people come into our store to buy books. And when they buy a book, they buy something else. And then that – and here's the mental image. They didn't have a book area. They had bookshelves scattered throughout the entire store. She then explained to me she had purposely placed books – near things she wanted to sell that were not books the smartest woman i ever met that ran a mom and pop store still runs one by the way and she has a very and they have cleaning machines in the back she they clean everything they 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 hand wipe everything down they have they wash all the shoes or clothes and they they clean all the shoes but she's like look any excess we get that comes in that's in the back and she walked me back there like these 10 tubs, you can buy today. But what's out there, you may not buy all of them. I need them to sell my other stuff. Smartest lady I ever met. That's crazy. It's like uh, how the grocery stores put like the, the milk and the bread like at the back of the store. It's uh, it's pretty smart. I mean, hey. She had the cookbooks near the pots and pans, the kitchenware. Ooh, like, genius. 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 <laughs> this lady's a genius. Uh, you ain't, no. ain't no getting over on her. She knows what she's got going on. She knew her business. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up here. When it comes to convincing yourself and others, it's it works both ways. Some some struggle with convincing themselves. And when it comes to convincing other people, I know it might be important for you to get approval from, you know, your parents, your brothers, family member. I'm here to tell you at the end of the day, if your business is successful, you don't got to prove nothing to nobody. I don't know if that's just how it was raised or, you know, where I'm from. Who cares what other people think about you, right? You know, it's it's one of those things. You see the proof. You see the work you're putting in. You see the, the the results of your hard work, whether that's monetary, getting time back. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. And if you struggle, maybe you're somebody that's by yourself or, you know, you don't really have that many friends to talk about too. like get involved in one of these groups. There's so many re reselling groups now that are, you know, great people out in all of these groups. Tech and sports groups got millions of people. Basically, they're all nice uh if you sell media on amazon you know i guess besides tech when he when he's on his weekly calls but yeah besides besides that one call uh if you sell media on amazon you know you always can come over hang out with us every single week on zoom don't feel like you're alone in this and i know reselling can be quote unquote a lonely job 
there's always somebody out there that's willing to listen, probably going through something that's relatable. And you probably can learn a lot from somebody else. So I'm going to let Johnny do the the Jerry Springer final thought here for this episode because I feel like crap. So Johnny, you were in the spotlight. Jerry Springer's final thought. Johnny's final thought. Take us away. What you do is serious, no matter what anybody else thinks of you and how you do things. They may not consider you a real business, but you are. Um, you got to believe in yourself and you for sure as hell got to put in the hard work. You got to back up what you're saying. If you slack off and say you run a business, but you're waking up at 11 in the morning and then maybe working four hours and calling it a day, you're not running a business. You got to treat it. You got to treat yourself like an employee up front and then a business owner once you've put your employee efforts in. Then you're an owner. You run a business and you should be proud of that. And my last and final thoughts for a low easy payment of $2.99, you can get more information by joining the Use Book Guide group. I'm That's not, less than the price of coffee, my friends. I'm not giving you a pay raise, dude. So stop <laughs> buttering up. Johnny does a, a monthly eBay call for me. He's trying to get a raise. It ain't happening. I'm broke. I sell media for a living. So we appreciate you listening as always. And we'll talk to you in next week's episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.